Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Jim Ford. And this is the Lantern Cast Presents Green Lantern Prebirth. Episode 15. And what issue are we reviewing, Jim? 15. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we knew we could do it. We knew we could do it. Uh, uh, I think actually I think I think we kinda it's been so long since we recorded. I think we actually did allude to this when we did uh when we did the last episode with the with Soul War? That the, mm-hmm. If we continued on with with what we were probably going to do next, we actually would have the episode number and the issue number briefly, ever so slightly, coming to sync, like a like the like the the budget being slightly balanced for like five minutes before it all goes to hell. That's exactly what it's like. So, yeah, so we're going to be doing issue 15 of the Spectre Mystery in Space. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. there's the Spectre in Space, uh, Spectre in Space Part uh-huh. One of Three. Now, normally we would do all three, we would do the whole arc, but because of the fact that it, arguably this issue has the most interesting cliffhanger of any <laughs> issue in this entire series, it kind of seemed it kind of seemed appropriate that we would we would leave on that cliffhanger, and then when we come back, either I'm going to guess we. I don't want to make any promises. Let's let's make an unofficial promise. At least by the end of January, we'll we'll come back and wrap this up. But whenever we whenever we do come back, we're gonna do issues issues 16 and 17, which will wrap this arc, which wasn't bad. It was not mm. a bad arc. I think I think this issue is a nice setup, though, no matter what. Yes, and speaking of normally, it's drawn by Norm Brayfogle. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and and the art the art is actually pretty nice in this issue. Oh, it's great! Yeah, this is like this is one of the highlight issues art-wise for the uh, the entire series. I think I would agree. I, as much as we think of Ryan Sook with the series, you know, Ryan Sook's art, as I think we've discussed before, sometimes it kind of was like it's hit or miss. Sometimes it works really well depending on the topic, and then sometimes it's uh, it kinda, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as this series goes, he's he's good for it. Sometimes it's more enjoyable than other times. But I mean, just based on you know, just not even for this series, for just any series in general. I mean, you know, Norm Brayfogle, you can't really go wrong. No, I I think so. I would yeah. agree. I think that it's. Uh... I think overall that this this the the art absolutely is a the art is a plus in this issue and it, and based on the themes that they're dealing with I think again it kind of it kind of works so mm-hmm. so I'm gonna do the recap on this one I'm gonna try to 
be relatively succinct, which I think for this issue I don't think will be challenging just because I think uh, – unlike reading a Grant Morrison book, <laughs> even though to be fair with the asterisk, there are some big picture concepts as, as which you would expect because this series is, has been all about big picture concepts. Yeah. So there are big picture concepts and ones that get introduced here that we get flushed out in parts two and three. But for the most part – as far as what happens in this issue, we kind of get the gist of what's going on enough where you, you don't you're not left scratching your head like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? It's like what? <laughs> or like Jim well, from tax Jim from Taxi or something. <laughs> <laughs> or like Latka from Taxi. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> All righty then. So let's jump into this sucker. So mm-hmm. we begin in uh, the Specter's little lair in uh, his hidden temple in well, Utah. And he's looking at all his little mirrors, the soul mirrors, where he basically keeps an eye and yeah, keeps an eye on everything across the world. He picks up, he gets his feeling of something, you know, something burning through his mind. He senses something, and then coming into view right near his his temple is this, you know, almost looks like a meteor, but it, cra- it crashes right down in front of him into the soul mirrors. And he sees this really freaky-looking alien, kind of wearing a specter cloak, and Howls the specter come. He comes over to him. He kind of like you know reaches out for him, and and as he reaches out, basically this being kind of like turns into uh, like energy, almost like a disembodied form, and then goes directly into the specter, into his head actually, into his brain, and he's just sitting there on his knees. And Abinsur comes out, and he's holding Helen, trying to fi- figure out what the, what's going on. And Hal says, "Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm okay." And and basically, he but he says I have to go. I, you know, I have to leave, and I, and, Ab, and I need Abin to come with me. So Hal creates basically, since we know Hal's real good at creating duplicates of himself, he creates a duplicate of Hal, of Uncle Hal, in normal Hal Jordan form to babysit Helen. Abin and Hal fly off, and we basically get the explanation that what what crashed to Earth and was absorbed by Hal was basically just another ver- basically another one of Hal's other selves that he had sent out into the universe to. Uh, Keep an eye on things, and just just the way Hal was able, which is a concept introduced, talked about more in, in another page about the idea of kind of like make make the world is kind of like what you make it, and you're able mm-hmm. to do things and create, you know, whatever you believe in. If you believe, you know, kind of which is perfect for X Green Lantern when you think about it. It kind of it kind of fits. Yeah. But but at, but so he so he's explaining that to Abin, but he says this version of himself pretty much was was driven mad by what he had found. And he, so he can still feel the, you know, the, the terror inside this thing now that he absorbed it, and pretty much, you know, that he has, you know, he can feel it reverberating in his soul, and he knows that's a problem because he, he pretty much isn't. And they go, and while they're into space, he pretty much, basically, they're being led to, being called out into space, and Hal and Abin Surafine, which is a cool splash page, like a splash page of many different versions of Hal, many different so, uh, versions of essences of Hal that he sent out into space. I especially like the one with the skeleton claws because it looks much like you know the Spectre, like in uh, what Judgment Day. But the, um, kind of, oh yeah 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 okay. And what's the one? On, what's the one on the end? Is that a Devastator? Um, with the red with the red thing in his head. Is that what it kind of looks like? Uh, I don't think they're called Devastators. It's um the hmm. That was, the first, that was the first thing that popped into my head because I can't, I can usually not remember what what the hell they're, what they're called. In all honesty, but yeah, but it's, it's definitely an alien race that we've seen before. 
Yeah, it, it's from it's from. Um, well, God, what was what was the series that it was like infiltration or something like that? Oh yeah, that's that is true. Uh, Millennium or something like that. I, I can't remember. It could have. It could have been. Uh, it could have been that. Hmm. So while Hal and Abin are dealing with you know all these other versions of the Spectre that Hal has to confront, we go back to Hal, the other Hal, the or the Earthbound Hal that's babysitting Helen, and basically Helen wanted him to read a story, so he picked The Wizard of Oz. So Hal's basically creating like a version of Oz that they're all walking through and going with the Tin Man and the Scarecrow on. And Helen asks him a very legitimate question, like, how pretty much are you able to do this? How are you able to create multiple versions of yourself and everything else? And he, he tries to tie it into the logos, which obviously is related, you know, the essence of the Spectre, and he just says, basically, it's it's like, kind of like, we're, it's like our reality is essentially the same kind of concept that is God's imagination, and whatever God thinks of, that's that's what happens. So that's kind of what Hal's doing—a version of that. This is what Hal thinks of. He creates, he believes in this, so it becomes he becomes real. Then, and we're all part of God, and basically, like God is all a part of us. And while, and then while you know the image of you know the yellow brick road and everything fades away to Helen's back in like in her bedroom in, in the uh, the temple. Helen, you know, asked him a very legitimate question, which of course Hal does not hear right off the bat, which is, you know, but if we're all part of God, then I mean, shouldn't we all be able to do the same thing? Which is, which is a cool question, kind of, kind of, kind of like in a much less relevant way. What always, what always bothered me about like the Matrix is the fact that once you knew the Matrix wasn't real and you were in it, then why couldn't you do almost everything Neo could do if you knew it wasn't real? Not everything necessarily, but but like, why would you die in the Matrix if you knew it wasn't real? anymore and things like that and and well, you should and it just seemed like you would have more powers if you realized it was a dream world and it wasn't real as opposed to believing this is your reality go ahead well, can, can, counter punch on that but that's always bothered me <laughs> I, no i i could I'll, I'll definitely go into it but i'll wait until you're done with the recap okay okay <laughs> okay uh, so we, we cut back to space with, with hal and, and he's like hal's like you know Basically, these are more versions of myself, and that he sent out to basically act as spirits of redemption for alien cultures. But there's something wrong. It's like pretty much all all of these like all of these beings pretty much are filled with anger and are filled with hate. And and you know, Abin creates a shield to try to keep them off, but Hal, but the shield doesn't work. Hal says, "I'll take it from here." Or of course, the Spectre will take it from here. Oh, Hal! And Hal basically absorbs all these aspects of his own personality back into himself and Abin's really happy for a second. I like that look in Hal's eyes when like for that brief second when he realized something's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Hal kind of like it's kind of like almost like an energy explosion from Hal. And but when you see the different versions of the Spectre shooting in different directions, Hal collapses. Uh, all these other versions of the Spectre kind of like starts kind of like re-solidifying and start coming after Abin and Hal. Abin, continuing the theme of, if you believe it's true, you probably can make it happen, since Abin Sur we know is really dead, and Abin Sur really doesn't have a power ring, but since Abin, Abin Sur is in his Green Lantern uniform and basically acts as if he were a Green Lantern still, he uses his Green Lantern to create, um, to go into a, like a dimension, not really a pocket dimension, but he creates a portal. He creates mm-hmm. a portal. Uh, they, end, they end up they end up crashing onto this planet. You know, It takes Hal a few moments to... Uh, to kind of like wake up and he realizes, you know, that uh, I'm okay for now, but basically if I can't get all these different pieces of myself to basically not be mad and to make peace, with it, you know, to, to basically find find out what's wrong with them and take care of it, that, you know, he's he's not himself is not going to be okay for long. 
and when they're on this planet, they say this. They see this really like they get they get interrupted by this crystallized alien insect-looking creature that comes up, and it's like a it's a like a musical kind of language that you know Abinser really can't understand. But Hal alters his frequency, which is kind of cool because he turns into a crystallized version of him, of the Spectre, and then he kind of gets a whole deal with this with this alien, and basically the alien is it, you know this was a this is a living. This is a living planet, and this one, this one little guardian there, this one little representative, is all that's left of the, <clears throat> of the people of this planet. They pretty much all, they pretty much all destroyed. He's just a physical manifestation, you know, of their basically their collective memory. And once he fades away, you know, everything on this planet, uh, it's all gonna, it's all gonna disappear. Uh, in space, we get basically the, the real villains of this piece, the the the, 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 the Quoex. Which are kind of like a hive mind mentality, though at least they have individual personalities, but they all but they all kind of have the same consciousness, and they, they're they, you know they're on a mission basically to ensure their survival, and we basically see them go into space, and we see this big huge form of the specter, and they go reduce speed and prepare for transmutation. Never go full transmutation. <laughs> it's never a good thing. Um, back with Hal and Abin, Hal. You know, comes to the understanding or the belief, anyway, that he's that he is the one who basically are the aspects of himself, basically, were the one that caused this entire planet, all the all this whole race of people, to be destroyed, and you know, Hal's having a hard time dealing with it, and you kind of see like almost like the essences of all the beings that were destroyed, and they say that you know we are the souls of the dead, and basically you know, that they were you know, they had been waiting for him and they were looking forward to seeing him, and Hal's like you know why would you want to do that to you know, the being who killed you. And Hal's like, haven't I done enough? You know, my others destroyed all you had. And Hal's like, what's happening? And he's kind of struggling with, like, oh, all this energy is like going into Hal. And Ab and Abin's like yelling him to stop whatever you're doing, cut it out. And and Hal's like, you know, I can't. You know, help me. I just can't. And Hal basically all all, all, the, all this energy pours into Hal, which is a pretty cool splash page actually. Uh, uh, and Hal basically this planet explodes, but you see it exploding like in the center of Hal. All the shards of crystal go flying into space. And I love the way Hal looks when he takes his cloak off here. That's just great. And Hal's just, you know, he's just completely lost. He's completely distraught at this point. He blames himself for this, destroying, you know, all these lives. It's like after everything he's trying to do and get redemption, he calls out to the, to the essence of the specter, the logos, to try to get understanding. But, you know, but nothing replies. And he's just there, and he, and he just kind of drifts on holding and he drifts on alone, and as he's as we hear that, you know, Hal's just kind of like crying in his own hands, and we hear, "Well, well, well, you really screwed things up this time, didn't you?" And we see floating amongst the remnants of the crystal, Sinestro. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo! Good last page. Yes, yes. When I reread this the first time, like about a month or so ago, mm-hmm. that I did, con- I actually. Briefly reread the 16 and 17 because I didn't actually remember how they resolved the stuff in Sinestro because I couldn't quite remember if it, was, <laughs> if it was a if it was a contradiction or not with stuff we saw later on or not. So that's why I wanted I wanted to do it plus to get an idea where the story was going. So, hmm. so I was not disappointed. Um, yeah, I I don't remember how it resolved myself. I, I like have like a vague, you know sense of thinking it was better than the most than the majority of the book but <laughs> I don't know um, but no this was uh, this was a good one 
No, it was. I think it was a. I think it was a. I think it was a really f- good issue. It was a good opening. A good opening salvo for what was um, for this arc that we're that obviously we're just scratching the surface on this arc. But again, based on you know based on the concepts that we that were introduced in this issue and and the explanation we do get when we when we come back to this story, it's it's. it's it's pretty cool, and and it, it does for and obviously it does further. I think in in, in an effective way, it furthers Hal's um, Hal's redemption. I think his journey towards redemption, which unfortunately we know because things change. The focal point of the change when Jeff Johns was coming back, so we you know, so we knew so whether Hal would have ever possibly gotten redemption, and if he did, what what that would have meant? Like would that have meant that he was going to would that have opened the door for him to become? Green Lantern again that mm-hmm. way, or would he have just gone to heaven and that would have been the end of Hal Jordan? Because now we've actually redeemed him enough from that from all the parallax stuff that okay, we're, let's end on a good note. <laughs> yeah. We'll never know because obviously Jeff Johns had other plans, and but I always liked the idea of Hal seeking redemption. I always liked the idea of him maybe getting to the point where he sat, he makes you know he makes this huge sacrifice or he does something huge on such a cosmic level. It basically. Wipes the slate clean, gets that red off his, out of his ledger from Zero Hour and everything else. I kind of, I, I would not have been unhappy if they chose to go that route. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, knowing how they were, you know, bringing back, you know, like the the classic characters whenever they could, you know, in any sort of fashion or anything. You have to imagine that at some point they were planning, yeah, eventually Hal Jordan will be a Green Lantern again. It's just that we want to take him off the table for a little while or we want to use him, you know, like this. I I feel like, you know, it's the same thing with Barry. You know, like Barry, you know, died in the crisis and then you know the dude had so many guest appearances after that, after he had died, and and eventually they they're just like yeah you know what we're just gonna bring him back full time now. But that so, did take a long time though. <laughs> it did take yeah no you're right it did take a long time but I mean the amount of guest appearances like you know he I think he was probably in the book more than like well he he was definitely in the book more than some living characters right. You know that they were there were other living speedsters that would not get as much you know page time as dead ghost of Barry Allen or whatever coming back through time travel or whatever. Keep it up, Wally. Vroom. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I just wanted to say right. I'm watching you yeah. from beyond the grave. You're doing a good job. You're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> No, no, and like that stuff, the Barry Allen stuff all made, you know, sense. And I can understand why they wanted to bring him back. And I would understand if they, you know, even if they hadn't brought him back with Rebirth and they kept him going as the Spectre for a little while longer, I don't think it would have been so much longer. And eventually they would have brought him back or, you know, something to that effect. I agree. Oh. But, uh, yeah, this – so, yeah, so with this issue, that – first off, that page, that splash page with all the different versions of Spectres, 
the the alien that we were talking about was a dominator. Dominator, yes, that's I I was close. I had I knew it was an or ending in or and I knew it was a d, so I was close. Yes, dominator, you were right. Um, yeah, no, I had to look it up, but it was uh, the DC invasion storyline that they featured prominently in. Um, but I mean, it that that is a it's a great splash page. I mean, you know, I like the electric. Like with the one with the electricity beard, whatever. Um, yeah, I like the 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 pinhead one up in the tiny in the corner with the tiny little head. Pretty funny. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. There's one that almost looks like Etrigan. Um, that's true too. But that's that's really cool. This, I like this issue was so good that. I remembered the Wizard of Oz thing, and I remember. Impressive. Yeah, like I remember it from, like I'm reading it, and I'm like, oh my god, like I'm looking at how they're talking, and in the background, the story is progressing, and I remember when I read this the first time, like just picking up on that, and how like the um, the cowardly lion is like attacking them, and they're all fighting and everything like that in the background and it doesn't really amount to anything it's just like this kind of really interesting set dressing for the background of just a a unrelated conversation that they're having but um yeah no I, i i love that and then the the thing helen's realization that that to me is like that's the quintessential moment for Helen in this book. You know, if we're all part part of God, then shouldn't we all be able to do the same thing? Like that was like that's probably one of the smartest concepts that they've introduced in this entire book. You know, it's so simple, but it can have like really fun ramifications to play with, which they do later on. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just absolutely love that. So yeah. So, you know, when I, when I hit that, that scene again, it's like, Oh yeah, this is probably one of my favorite parts in, you know, the whole series. So, um, there's that. And it's good that Helen, obviously, as we did that green lantern, uh, with the annual, that it's kind of good that they they reference you know the character of Helen and having and having memories of basically that that time when she was with Helen's the Spectre. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of that 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 is a nice touch. Even if we didn't have this spinoff, it's it was a nice touch just to know that hey you know that's a another another Morrison being Morrison in a good way, which is like pulling going back to some some what some might think are kind of obscure and actually it's relatively obscure now considering how long ago you know this book book was like oh two. This is like 17 years ago, so mm-hmm. the idea, so the idea, doing something like that and, and referencing the idea that you know Hal and Helen had all these adventures, uh, you know. So, um, what you call it? Now you know it's funny. There was something interesting that at one point I questioned it, and then the second part, it's like it just kind of reinforced it. It's the fact that you have these two ghosts flying through space 
to go to meet up with, you know, the other versions of Hal. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, they're ghosts. What is the purpose of flying through space? Because, you know, like, the way that they describe it, it seems like they're going for for a decent amount of time. You know, like, you know, um, it says... uh, they're traveling from star to star, galaxy to galaxy, and each would agree that the joys and dangers of encountering new planets, new life forms, was what gave their lives meaning. So they fly on across the cosmos in a silence deep with nostalgia and longing for simpler times. But nostalgia fades eventually, leaving only the concerns of the present. That means that, like... They're flying through space for at least 30 minutes to an hour, maybe longer. And they're ghosts, so they could really just disappear from one spot and reappear wherever else they want. I mean, there's no real reason why a ghost has to travel. Transluminal space, baby! (laughs) But I mean, you know, like like even even transluminal space is traveling. Yes, Um, it's almost like they wanted, like they kind of like hinted at in in the way it's written that maybe this was just they were longing for simpler times when this was the only thing they had to worry about and things. That that, are traveling ghosts, (laughs) spirits. (laughs) That's that's good. That's good. I like that. No, but then they kind of, like, then they put a point on it by, you know, when they're escaping all the other versions, you know, and Hal's been knocked out for a second, and Abin just creates a rip in the, you know, a dimensional rift, seals it up behind him, and pops out somewhere else in the universe, which is essentially exactly what I'm thinking about in the first... Like, why didn't you just freaking do this in the first place to get there much faster? So, uh, you know, it is it is funny that they did, you know, kind of raise that issue and then address it. It's like, yeah, no, they can do that. They just, like you said, just kind of hang wanted to hang out and fly through space for a little bit. Old habits die hard. <laughs> Just like them, apparently. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's true. Well, Abin's still dead. Yeah, but Abin, but when we get to it, Abin kind of has a nice going away party in a way in this book. <laughs> kind of weird, but but at least at least it's kind of like on a on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> um, the uh, the crystal aliens are. Interesting. It's an interesting concept. It's not. I mean, you know, it's it's a kind of high concept, but it's also. I. You know what? This this stuff actually. Basically, this whole issue, I would say, is the only issue that we've come across so far. That if you were a Green Lantern fan, and you were going to pick up an issue of the Spectre. You know, like you're gonna give it one shot. Like this is the one. <laughs> you know, like this is the one that's closest to a Green Lantern comic book. You know, like all the rest of them are distinctly different. But in this, like you're getting okay. It's a living planet. 
it's a, an alien race. It's, you know, how being able to create multiple versions of himself and Abin, you know, creating rips in, in space and things like that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's the most green lantern themed issue thus far. And then, and then they throw Sinestro on the last page and it's just like, Oh, okay. Well, this for a green lantern fan, this is a slam dunk. It is almost as if after 14 issues, they said, listen, uh, if you're going to keep creating this, you know, this Hal Jordan book, you need to have like at least some ties to green lantern. So, and the fact that when he removes his, when he peels back his cloak, of course he he's like he's ripping his cloak, and you see the Green Lantern uniform underneath. Oh yeah, so, yeah, so. yeah. No, that and it's like you said, it's it's big, it's on display. They make a point of showing that. So, yeah, no, I, I like if if I. Yeah, but the the other thing that's weird is though is that this is like issue fifteen. Like, why did they wait till issue fifteen to give people a Green Lantern issue? They, obviously, Dave Mateus has a lot of sway because he does come up he does come up with a lot of these weird concept books, and that team seems to get a. Seems to get they get seem to get greenlit and last at least a decent amount of time. Sometimes some are shorter than others, obviously. Mm-hmm. And this one lasted what lasted a little over two years. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't know. I it, it's and like maybe because it, ultimately they wanted DC was happy capitalizing on on Hal Jordan being back and not being back as a hero. But yet they certainly like you kind of alluded to they had no desire to bring him back as a Green Lantern. They were not going to step go into the Hal. They did not want to do anything to reignite the Hal versus Kyle debate, and this was their best way of not doing it. And so they kind of figure, well, maybe people are just the Hal Jordan fans will just be happy that Hal Jordan's got a book, so we can pretty much do whatever you know. So we, Demetrius can do whatever he wants, and there yeah, they'll be happy. And it's like, well, for a certain period of time, it might have worked, but clearly, as you can see in this, like the second half of the of this book, that they started changing the focal point and started doing more, maybe. More Green Lantern-like threats or issues that would seem like it's not out of, out of sync with the concept of being, of being a Green Lantern. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't remember too much. I just, I remember uh, what you call it. Um, didn't uh, Helen get like a nanny at some point? I think that's correct. I think that is correct, actually. I think as we go a little further on in the book, I think that does Yeah. Like, she gets a nanny, and there's a recurring bad guy that pops up over and over again. Yeah, that would be the... What is his name? Yeah. Yeah, Demonicus or whatever. Yeah. We've already met him, yeah. Yeah, we've already met him. Um, But, uh... That 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 I I never I I don't I don't have any fond memories of that character, <laughs> but but like you know like I've said numerous times it's been so long so I, I could just be misremembering. Maybe I love the rest of the series. There's always a chance. Mm. 
There's always oh, oh Stigmanus. That's the one we're thinking of. That's yes, that's yeah. definitely. Visual Stigmanus. <laughs> Damn French! <laughs> it's always the French. <laughs> you have to say his name like that every time now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Visual Stigmanus. <laughs> yeah. We we. Uh, like we haven't we haven't dealt with him I think since Spectre eight and nine I believe. Oh man, yeah. It's been a good while. It's been a good run since then. <laughs> so, um, since I don't remember what is going to happen, um, I'm going to bet that all those eat those versions of Hal that destroyed the planet were probably transmuted by that other alien race to do it. Um, that's the only thing that that would make sense to me. And but even that is, it's kind of weird that an alien race would be able to transmute like versions of God into destroying an entire race of aliens, who's so super chill about the fact that they all got destroyed that they're just like, yeah, you know what? It's cool. We're we're just gonna like you know. We're just gonna flood our entire essence into you, into a being of God, and uh, destroy our planet. So uh, there we go. You demand, Hal. You demand. <laughs> <laughs> we out. Uh, do we have anything else to say about this? I don't think. So. Oh, you want you wanted to go back to the Matrix thing, but as far as the actual issue goes, as far as the actual issue goes, no, I think. I think it's a it's a great it's a great cliffhanger. That's one of the reasons we won't let it hang too long before we come back to it. But mm-hmm. because because it was it's arguably the best you know the most interesting and certainly the most draw dropping cliffhanger that they probably they had you know they had in this series. And considering the relevance of it from a Green Lantern perspective, that we figured that was a we figured that was a good a one issue one issue review that was a if we were going to do one in a three issue arc this is the, this was the time mm. the um in uh, helen's bedroom the the paintings that she has hung on her space wall it looks like one is a unicorn and the other one is vaguely reminiscent of i guess the taj mahal that's what i would say that's weird it's weird, but I mean, I I do love when there are background details. So that's it's weird, but cool. Yeah, and and her being dressed as Dorothy was a nice touch. Yes, although a different take on the colors. Yes, and with and with Toto. Yes, <clears throat> and the ruby slippers. Yes, and which, the road to, and the road to Oz as well as the Wizard of Oz. The uh, well, the, the 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 slippers shouldn't have been read if he was reading the book. That's a good point. So, I don't know. But Hal's imagination, he's maybe just over overrode what he was reading in the book. That can't be right. <laughs> it's supposed to be read. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Your slippers will be red, waving his, waving his fingers. <laughs> Uh, okay so yeah so getting back to the matrix thing yeah like 
the way that I see that is I yeah because I kind of I, I that's that's basically what I thought like okay well if you're in the matrix and you know that it is the matrix and you know that somebody else can do it then shouldn't you be able to do it um, and I think later on they are able to do more because he shows them the way but I, the difference was that like he could see the code like right. the code itself the others couldn't you know so it would be like you know if you were trying to hack a website you know like okay well the guy that can like literally read the code is going to be able to get in like in two seconds and the person that can't do it is going to be using like more traditional methods to you know to try and figure it out that's true that's a good point or it could just be that they had um you know, too many like psychological barriers preventing them from just letting go and doing what he did. That is true because he, he didn't have as much vested in the whole world until he basically was brought into it. You know, he was brought yeah. into it like with a crash course and and w- with the goal of being brought into it because Morpheus thought he thought he was the one, as mm-hmm. opposed to the others being you know being freed, being freed. You know, at different times, and all basically their whole life being dedicated to finding the one, and some of them believing it, some of them not believing it, things like that. So yeah, yeah, I could buy that. Yeah, be interesting to see what uh what they what direction they go for if they actually do the fourth movie. Yes, it would be it would be interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the movie would be good. Yes, it would be interesting to know the direction. Because Carrie Ann Moss is supposed to come back too, right? Which doesn't make sense. Neat. Yeah. And they have not talked. They have not confirmed what Lawrence Fishburne yet. They said that they basically said that they were going to go for a younger version of Morpheus. I think that's when they. I think that's when they thought it was going to be a prequel. I think that's when the rumors were that they were going to do a a, a a Matrix prequel. But I think that's changed. I think that was different when they announced that Keanu Reeves was on board with, com- with coming back. I think that, I, but I, but that is what people thought. I think when some of the rumors were coming out when they first mentioned that there might be there might be another Matrix movie, and then that was I think that was that plot I believe was more tied to before Keanu Reeves basically agreed to do it because obviously you didn't need Keanu you didn't need any of the original actors if you wanted to do a prequel. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. I mean, it's. It will be curious to see to see what they do. Neo coming back would not be that shocking for multiple re- reasons, and they kind of even hinted at it at the end of what Revolutions that, that that Neo would be seen again. So, but we'll see. I mean, we will we will see. But mm-hmm. Lego, 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 yes, cool. on to Lego. <laughs> okay, so uh, the. Lego ideas, that's where people submit the ideas, and if you get 10,000 votes, then it makes it to the review, and then after they do the review, they pick one project to actually bring to market. Sometimes they will bring more than one project to market. Sometimes they will say, screw it, we're not bringing any project to market. (laughs) 
it's not really a binding thing. It's <laughs> so, but uh, the the first quarterly review for 2019 was compiled uh, a few months ago, and tomorrow, as we record this, they will be announcing the um, the winner, of the project that they will be making. So that as you're listening to this, you can do a search for Lego Ideas uh, 2019, and you can actually figure out which one they they did pick. So that's that's nice for all you guys in the future. As it is for us, we have to wait. But here are the the contenders. I'm going to go from the absolute worst to the <laughs> what I consider the absolute best. Okay, so starting out, we have Machu Picchu, which is a pretty generic, kind of kind of lame looking, you know, mountain type thing. The background doesn't help in that picture either. The black yeah. background does not work in its favor. No, no, nothing, nothing really works for that one. <laughs> um, next up, I'm going to go with the Kakapo. Uh, I, I'm assuming this is some kind of bird creature. It looks like a small little bird. It's a parrot. It looks like a parrot. I'm not sure. Let's look. Yeah. Let me look it up. It's like a cross between a parrot and a porg. If, if the porg was like leaning over. Actually, in real life, it's it's called an owl parrot. It's not particularly attractive. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know why someone decided to make that. I don't know how it got a ten, uh, ten thousand votes. That's really just kind of shocking to me. It's horrendously ugly. Um, then we have the Museo Nacional from Rio de Janeiro. It, it's not bad. It's just incredibly boring looking from the outside. I'm sure that the inside is more interesting i'm sure they have like some of the actual exhibits and things like that but based on what i'm going off of the outside is just you know a generic looking boring building uh next up we have the spacex bfr starship and super heavy uh oh big falcon rocket Starship and Super Heavy. I I don't know. I don't really know what this is. This is some kind of SpaceX rocket. It just... I I, I could care less about this. This is just... It's so just generic and I don't really care. Like, you know, maybe maybe in like 10 years if SpaceX is like still doing stuff. Um, But I just don't care about it right now. I agree. Then you've got Anatomini, which is, it looks like a giant Lego man that splits open so that you can see his Lego skeleton inside. It's it's an interesting concept. I, I mean, I, I can't knock the concept. Conceptually, it's, it's pretty cool. I, uh, Jason Freeney has made a career out of taking a Lego man and sculpting a, you know, Lego skeleton and intestinal organs and everything like that onto the other side so you can see like a cutaway version. So, I mean, like, the market is there for that one. Uh, I'm sure that their final version would look markedly cooler than this example that they give, but 
you know, okay, we're getting there. We're getting a little bit better to the, the better ones now. Then you've got the the Pirate Bay. Um, like you said, it's very similar to one of the previous pirate playsets. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's just kind of... Lush. Yeah, very lush. It's it's cool looking. You know, it's a pirate island, you know, type base, an island base. Um, got a few structures and cabins and stuff on there. It's neat. And it was pretty neat. It's not something I would buy, but I can totally understand, you know, why they would pick this. And it would definitely appeal to a decent amount of people. Um, next up, we have The Office from NBC, uh, the TV show. Uh, yeah, somebody built a model of the office with all the cubicles and, you know, all the people that work there. You know, I, I understand why they do things like this. And I thought that I thought they did um, a Golden Girl set. And the Golden Girl set made sense to me. And they did a Friends set. And while I would have zero interest in that personally, I can see why you do the friend set because like, you know, the whole central perk thing. I mean, it's a, it's a decent looking set because it's set in a coffee shop. So you get a Lego set of a coffee shop and then, you know, you've got the friends and all the other accessories that it came with. It made those for fun, you know, pretty fun sets, but I've seen how, two more sets based on TV shows and it's this one, The Office which, I mean, it's a Lego office it's really, really boring to look yes, at. it looks very boring it is, uh, it's such a snooze fest and yeah, they I'm sure they do a better job in the final version but even, you know, like even a spruced up version of The Office is still The Office so I, like, I don't I don't see it happening um. Yeah, it's just kind of boring. And the other one that I saw was uh, like that was Seinfeld. They had the Seinfeld set. Oh God. And yeah, again, it's like okay, well, that's that's a little bit neater than the office set because it's not an office; it's like an apartment building. But even that, like you know, when was Seinfeld on? Like twenty years ago. And I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about the Golden Girls, but I think the Golden Girls has a little more like ironic like you know pop culture type thing to it you know like it's it's funny if you have a golden girls set lego set if you have a seinfeld lego set i don't think it has that same kind of appeal i would tend yeah i would i would tend to agree i don't think seinfeld doesn't really tend to lend itself to, to collectors I think near, near, nearly as much as like, what is the deal with these Legos? <laughs> oh man! I, I, I don't really see that working as well. So yeah, uh, yeah. I and it's yeah. If, if you, as we see by something else on this list, if you're gonna do like if you're gonna do some TV show stuff, it's gotta be at least interesting looking. Yes. Yeah. Visually appealing. Um, I would say. Okay. So. I will be saving that particular one for last, though. <laughs> so, yeah. So, second to last, we have the Adams Family Mansion Modular Building. This is 
This is very cool. Uh, I mean, you know, the modular buildings, they always do a really nice job with them. Um, they're big deal sets. They're expensive. They have tons of pieces. They're complex. And with this one, it's it's a mansion that you can add into that set, but it's also the Adams Family Mansion. So you get all the Adams Family characters with it. It's a giant, you know, gray and black building with some, you know, some highlight colors to it. And I'm sure that if you look inside, there's probably a torture chamber, a kitchen and all sorts of stuff like that. It's it's pretty neat. It's a nice self-contained set. The Adams Family is going to be coming out with a movie, I think, uh, later this month. Yeah. Um, so based on that, I'm sure that they could have this set out in time for the DVD. So the synergy there would work out nicely. Adam's family's been, you know, popular for a long time. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't really be surprised if this is the one that they go for. But um, then you have the last set, and that would be one, two, three, Sesame Street. And to me, like, this set is it's really amazing. I, maybe I'm biased because I grew up watching Sesame Street, and my kids watch Sesame Street now. But, I mean, like, you've got – it's it's the, you know, the main building, 123 Sesame Street, with um, the – it's like a piece of the – the wall next to it. I, I think that's where Big Bird's nest is or something like that. And you got a tree out front. But I mean, like, just the colors, it's those traditional colors, and then it opens up, and, you know, you've got the different things inside the building, and you've got, you know, Bert and Ernie's apartment, and um, I think you got something for Cookie Monster, and you got the the different Muppet Lego figures. And it's just such a nice set. I, I told, I told Lauren, I said, I'm like, you know, I haven't been buying Legos in a really long time. I said, if they made this set, I think I would have to buy it. I just have to buy it. Like they made the magic kingdom castle. And that was amazing. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I love this. And I did not like I didn't even <laughs> think twice about buying. I like I didn't buy it at all. Like it was like three hundred something dollars for this giant castle. It's like, yeah, OK, that's you know, that's really amazing. But for the cost, where am I going to put it? I don't really care that much. You know, it would be neat to have a giant Lego castle like that. But mm, I don't need it. Sesame Street. Yeah, I freaking need that. I would need that if they made that. So I think I think that one's a really strong contender. It's a great looking set. People are gonna pay for it. And really, like who doesn't love Sesame Street? Yeah, I would say that's probably the uh, if I had to bet, I would say that's the odds on the odds on favorite. Uh I do think if it wasn't the favorite, I would probably think Adam's family would be a would be a close second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, the the Adams family, it's definitely uh, definitely a solid solid build, solid design, you know, solid property. I, I mean, I can understand if they want to go for the Pirate Bay because it's a cool looking set, and then they don't have to pay any royalties. Right. 
Um, beyond that, though, like the museum is pretty much garbage. The parrot thing is garbage. Machu Picchu is absolute garbage. Um, you know, and the other ones are okay. Well, you'll sell some, but how how many? Sesame Street, I think, is yeah clear winner. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the <clears throat> that is the winner of the group. So we'll see if uh, our opinions match, what the votes match, <laughs> or their announcement yeah. matches. Um, yeah, so no, I'm excited to find out. <laughs> yes, should be fun. So one last little thing, I think, before we wrap this sucker up. Uh, yep. Talk about let's talk about Disney. Let's talk about Galaxy's Edge a little bit. Uh, you being a Disney guy too, I'm sure you've paid attention to some D- Galaxy's Edge news or the <laughs> the lack of the lack of positive news from from Galaxy's Edge. Uh, as somebody who's will be going there in like like a month month and a half, it's hard to believe it's that close already. Mm-hmm. I've been paying more attention to like, and because I try to be an informed journalist, because I try to pay attention to the uh, like the wait times. So I've been yeah. checking. I've been checking through the app. More and more often to see what exactly the wait times are, and compared to other you know big e you know quote unquote e ticket rides that they have, and it is true. It, I mean, there's no doubt that while we know there's a lot of spin behind Galaxy's Edge and whether they really believe Galaxy's Edge is is quote unquote kind of like well, no quote that Galaxy's Edge is crapping the bed thus thus far because of the reasons that they are telling us. Whether they really believe that, or whether that's just all they want to admit, and they don't want—it's like we know real, we know the real reason why, but we're not going to tell you that we know because we want to make this really as positive as possible, or deflect as much as possible. Mm-hmm. While there is some truth, I think, I think to the Disneyland idea that I think they did because of the hype, because of the reservation system they were using for Disneyland, because of the way they were suspending you know, pass holders and things like that. And how the hotels were going were going outrageous as far as you know the prices based on what they expected to be a high demand. Mm-hmm. I do think that probably did scare some people away from Disneyland when it initially opened. I do think that's probably the case. Now Disney World is a whole other animal. Disney World because Disney World did not do any did not you know was not restricting people the same way. It didn't have the reservation system. Still can't fast pass it, but. But you look at it, and the reality is, absolutely, it's not doing well as far as I mean. I looked at it like today. I think I looked at it like a little afternoon, and, and the wait for for Smuggler's Run was like forty five minutes. Wow! It was forty five minutes, and meanwhile, I think Slinky Dog was like, I think Slinky Dog was like, it was either fifty five or sixty five. <laughs> Tower of Tower of Terror was like sixty five, and I think uh, the Rock and Roller Coaster was fifty five. And even Midway Mania was like 35. So even in that park, there are still rides that really shouldn't be have a longer wait for that ride, but they did. And then you, and then I looked at the other parks because this is the other part of the equation here. Attendance across the board is down in Disney parks, and Disney World is no different because Disney World is not busy. You look at some of these. I looked at Mine Train. I think Mine Train was some. I think Mine Train was something like around 55 or 65 minutes. Space Mountain wasn't 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 particularly long, and Disney at Disney Studios, I think, I think Pandora, both I think both of those those rides were 65 and 55. So the reality is, right now, there's no doubt that that, that they are not drawing in people across the board. But that, but even saying that in the sliding scale, something that's supposed to be a really big, you know, something you're really 
high on. It's supposed to be a must-see kind of thing. You should be having longer wait times and friggin' rides that have been there for a couple of years. <laughs> and so, so it's. I mean, it doesn't matter if there's no fast pass for it because honestly, if I if I, if I really want to do it, if I really want to do it, and, and the wait time's going to be like around an hour or something, then I might just suck it up and do it. You know, yeah. Because, not that I'm anticipating that ride being my cup of tea, because I think it's going to be the motion. The motion concerns me because it's going to be. I think it's going to be similar to the modern version of Star Tours, but probably with a little bit more, <clears throat> a little bit more movement. Yeah, and so and also more interactive. Yeah, it's more interactive. Like for me, yeah. honestly, I probably because of the fact that it makes me, ever since my experience on Mission Space, it makes me. I'm less comfortable with a lot of motion. I probably would prefer to actually be a gunner that most people complain about. Right. I probably would prefer to be a gunner because then I really don't have to necessarily look at look at it the screen as much. I'm basically mm. looking at you know the, what's in front the displays in front of me. Mm. But we'll see. I think they have single rider lines for that. Oh, actually, you know what I saw? I had a really low wait time today. It was uh, test track. Test track was like almost a non-existent line. Just, even Frozen, even Frozen wasn't. Frozen wasn't. Frozen, I think, was 45 minutes or less, and 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 Soren was like 35 minutes or something. So none of the parks have none of the parks have big lines right now. Well, they actually, I mean, this is also their deadest time. But heading into but you're gonna see October. It should start picking up because all the Halloween parties and everything. September mm. September is not one of the huge periods. But I think they do better in parts in some. Don't forget they're gonna. They have the food and wine, the food and wine thing, at Epcot. So this is actually something that is fairly big for them, even if it's not. So we'll, we'll yeah, see but well, from what I from what I've, you know, in my experience, um, uh, you know, and I, I've looked into like the when to buy and like the promotions that they do and everything like that. And the promotions that they do are typically to get people in in September and October. Uh, like with October, like, yes, you have people that are going for the for the Halloween parties. But a lot of that is the annual pass holders who like, you know, they'll go or you have some people who will, you know, they'll go a couple of days and they'll plan something to do on one day, and then they'll go to the Halloween party at night. So I mean, like, it's it's still not one of their their busiest times. And September is like it is dead because I I've I've talked to Lauren. I said I'm like, listen, I'm like, if we're gonna go, like the best time to go would be like, you know, the second or third week of school. I mean, if we could ever like figure out the logistics to you know justify taking them out of school for for a week like that like we would have absolutely no weights and if you go in like like a little bit later september then okay it's still going to be hot but it's not going to be like july and august hot but yeah i mean so yeah so you you're starting out with uh, like the slower times now what you're saying as far as like if the rock and roller coaster has a longer wait time than Smuggler's Run, then one of two things is happening. One, Smuggler's Run and you know the whole Star Wars land is a cataclysmic failure. Or two, the way that they built Smuggler's Run, maybe they created a like such a surplus of ride space to you know, accommodate the you know so many more people than all these other rides 
that that might be having an effect too. I don't know what the capacity is for Smuggler's Run, but you got to figure it's going to be they're going to want to pack people in because they figured that these were going to be like, you know, the greatest things in sliced bread. Right. And so far, clearly in both places, that has not been the case. Even during the summer, attendance has been down um, Mm -hmm. in, in both in California and in Orlando. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's, but that, but that could be, that's, but that's, but that's a different issue. Like I said, the overall park attendance is a different issue. They, that could be the point of Disney pricing them, pricing themselves into a, into a bad situation where they've over, they've overvalued their worth when it comes to people and how much it costs for a ticket and, and what people are willing to pay. Yeah. And that, and that, that could very well, because I don't buy that as much as there, as much as some people probably were avoiding going to smuggle, going to, to Galaxy's Edge, not just to avoid the crowds, but because they part of the, you know, F you to Lucasfilm and and Disney. That's you know that 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 movement. I don't that I don't think would have any real effect on Disney World as a whole. It would only affect that park. I think I don't think it would be that well organized. I mean, there are some people who hate Disney, so I can't say that it could. There's no way it couldn't have any impact. Mm. But I would say that would not be what's likely driving down the overall attendance. I think that only would have an impact in the interest in and in going to. Uh, Galaxy's Edge because there and there are a bunch of reasons why related to the you know only having one ride ready only ha- you know having the everything being set in the pre- in the sequel era and, th- and and things and things like that so time time will tell how it all once we'll we'll have a better idea once Rise of the Resistance opens we'll have a better idea to see if that has any kind of surge impact on their on in the land as a whole. Whether it increases like the wait times for everything in in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing is when when they were like like the lead up to like Disneyland opening Star their Star Wars land, like they were putting out a very strong message that this was gonna be incredibly crowded, incredibly packed. They were going to do, like, lotteries to figure out who's going to get in, and it was only going to be the one ride open for a while. And, I mean, like, for me, knowing me and knowing how I am, like, if that's the potential scenario that I'm looking at and it's just going to be an absolute nightmare to go, then screw it. I won't go for like another year or two. And the other thing with the the Star Wars thing is that they had a lot of blackout dates for the people that like the uh, annual pass holders who lived in the area. So like that's not helping matters either. But yeah, I mean like if you if you're telling me if you're the company that built this thing and you're like, yeah, it's going to be, you know, if you come here and ride these rides, it's going to be literal hell. Like, okay, well, screw you. I'm not going to ride those rides right now, and I'll wait. I'm not going to make a special trip to, you know, go to your super-packed Star Wars land when you only have one ride out right now. And, you know, like, and some people will say that, you know, I I think you kind of implied that Walt Disney World didn't have, you know, they don't have those, the, the same restrictions as Disneyland, but at that point, the damage was already done because the message that they sent out, you know, to the Disneyland one was being, you know, echoed for the Disney World one. And 
even if it turns out that you know even if it turned out that okay Disneyland wasn't that busy so Disney World conceivably also won't be that busy it's too late because to plan a trip to Disney World takes you know you don't mo- well most people don't plan you know don't like they're not like oh you know what I'll just get a couple of plane tickets and we'll go to Disney World next weekend you know it's something that you plan months and months and months in advance so if all of a sudden you find out oh yeah turns out star wars land is empty like okay well i guess now i'll book my trip six months in advance which isn't going to help them at all with their current state of affairs now combined with that i hear a a major issue that people have with this place is that it's a Star Wars land that's not based on anything specific to Star Wars. They've created Batu. Nobody knows what Batu is. Nobody knows where Batu is. It means nothing to anyone. If you're a diehard Star Wars fan, then you're going to go there and you're going to see the themes that are present throughout the movies in this brand new land that they can make immersive. But one of the heavy criticisms is that when you go to Harry Potter land and you can walk through actual Diagon Alley and they have an actual Hogwarts that you can see and, you know, all these, you know, you could go into actual Hogsmeade and get, you know, actual butterbeer, like all of these things. It's like, okay, well, you have these memories from the movie and now you can go and actually experience it. Whereas with Star Wars, okay, you have a connection to Tatooine. You have a ta- uh, connection to, you know, Dagobah or whatever. Like, you know, the freaking Death Star, whatever. There's like a million locations that they could have based it off of. They could have based it off of multiple locations. But they chose to base it off of nothing. So Off a manufactured world, which again is... is- just being created to feed into the the relevance of the sequels, as opposed to what people really want, right? Which is, and that's again. So it comes back to comes it comes back to the the planning it comes about to the planning. It's not necessarily the execution because it doesn't look cool or the ride isn't. I mean, a lot of people have criticized Smuggler's Run for being not that impressive a ride overall, mm-hmm. but but still the idea that yes i mean if you're gonna have a friggin cantina people want to see the cantina like on moss isley that's the cantina people would prefer to have not just right. a generic cantina yes and yes we've seen other cantinas obviously we saw one what in episode two with with obi-wan and anakin and things like that but still that's the cantina people think of they think of the one on moss isley so tatooine would have been the most logical choice for yes. multiple and for the relevance in the saga it would have been the most logical because it ties into at least six you know the first six movies at least but no, but no. So and, that, and that's and that's part of whether it's you know whether it's the arrogance or whether it's just the. I mean, somebody almost has to be arrogant to believe that. Oh, you know, the Star Wars fan base. You know, Star Wars fans love Star Wars. So no matter what we do, they're going to eat it up like candy. And we and that that myth blew up in their face when it came to at post Last Jedi leading into a Solo a Star Wars story. Hmm. That myth blew up in their face. Yeah. So if they. Which you hope behind the scenes they've accepted that that is part of the issue, not this constant Star Wars fatigue garbage 
oh, we released it in May. People are used to it in December. Yeah, for like three movies, people are used to it in December, as opposed to the other six movies <laughs> that people released in May. You know, so it's 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 you know Star the Star Wars fatigue. When there's it's amazing how there wasn't any Marvel fatigue for twenty three movies, <laughs> <laughs> two to three movies a year, and there was no Marvel fatigue. Why? Because they were pe- movies people liked, and it were, and they had a coherent plan, mm-hmm. building towards something. That's the, that's the problem. It isn't. So, hopefully, besides the spin, they've really come to learn what you know what the what the mistake is, and they're trying and they're trying to do something to correct it. Speaking of, when the hell are we get a, tra- a second trailer for this movie? I mean, my God, we're almost in October. We haven't even got a first a full trailer for for uh, the Rise of Skywalker yet. I think the leading theory is that it's going to be attached to Maleficent. Maleficent. That's what Chad and I talked. But that's a while. That's still a couple of weeks. I think. Uh, I think yeah, it is. It is. That's that's a little. That's a. That's borderline. A little. I don't think it's borderline. It is a little late in the game, unless they're again, unless they're that cocky or arrogant that they think, oh, we don't really need to advertise this to the last month, and people are going to be all excited. Depends what's in the trailer. Well, there is one other thing. Um, for New York Comic Con. They did announce that there's there's a panel, like a really big panel, and a studio that they have not announced yet. You know, they haven't announced the studio, they haven't announced the panel that's going to surprise everybody. So, I mean, I guess that there's a incredibly small chance that they will show the trailer at uh, New York Comic Con. I doubt it, but eh, there's a slight chance. And that's that's next week, so that'd be cool. It would be cool. I mean, for your sake, it would be it would be nice if they nice if they did that. But again, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, the the odd the odds of that you know the odds of that happening, mm-hmm. I don't know, if, are that you know particularly high. Yeah. But we'll but but we'll see. But I I, I th- it's it's an interesting choice. I think I it's it's just an odd it's just an odd choice what they've been doing with this movie. I mean the. The teaser trailer, you know, the the teaser trailer at uh, the Star Wars celebration, it was okay. It wasn't great. It was okay. You take mm-hmm. away Luke's narration, you take away the Emperor's laugh. It's incredibly non nondescript. <laughs> yeah. And that's not what they needed. I mean, they really needed, and I've said this before, they really needed a home run in that first trailer, and we didn't get a home run at all. Yeah. Now, at best, it was like a single, maybe a double. And that's only because of the, of the other of the other stuff. We need a we and that, and that sizzle reel they released at D twenty three you know was interesting but again that's not a full trailer yeah it's not enough to make you doesn't give you any idea about the, what the movie's about yet which is which the full trailer should give you a hint I I don't know I think this is going to be really it's going to be I'm really fascinated to see how this movie's going to first of all how people are going to react to this movie and just overall how it's going to do because there's still a lot of people that on the surface seem like they're not. They really don't want to go support this support this movie after Last Jedi. Doesn't mean they, some of them won't, mm. but it, but it depends. I mean, so I think, but they're not helping their cause by giving people reason to come back just by oh. And if you if you're in some of the rumors about what's going on with the plot, I mean, some of these things are like some things are interesting, some things are like oh my god, it's like you got to be kidding me, you're going to do this. So we will we will see. I'm more fascinated by how it's going to tie into the other six movies. Mm-hmm. That's what. I, that's all I care. I'm interested well, in Palpatine. Hopefully, hopefully they try. Yes, interested in, in, in Palpatine, his role, and how they're going to try to tie all 
all six movies to try to make this seem like we know it's not because they dropped the ball with this trilogy. But try to make all nine movies seem like there was a, a in quotes, a coherent plan and it tells a coherent story. We know Last Jedi really t- took it off. The, you know, They went off the reservation with it. And, and hopefully Abrams can bring it back a little closer to picking up on things from Episode Seven, but we'll see. That's what I'm. Fa- that's what I'm interested. In. I'm not really interested in Kylo. I'm less interested in Ray than I was, but maybe I'll be more interested back in the Abrams version of Ray. You know, I like Poe. Poe I think is kind of cool. Finn mm-hmm. does nothing for me. Finn I was okay in Force Awakens. He was. I think he took a major step back in in Last Jedi, and that's that's to me that's what it is. I mean, I I don't really. I don't have a lot in, a lot invested in this trilogy, and I don't think it's gonna. I don't. I doubt this movie is going to change it that much. But there's things that they could do to make it go, end well, and depending what they do with you know Luke and Anakin and Yoda and Obi Wan and different things related to and Palpatine and all the, if they do if they do enough tying it into things you know and some elements maybe of the Clone Wars and Rebels and all the all this other stuff, if they do stuff like that, it could it could. It could be a nice bridge to you know bring it all together, but they they definitely are kind of like swimming upstream, and I think I don't think it helps their cause by not putting anything out there. But we're not that far away. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully, anyway. Yes. Uh, um, keep, keep that hope alive. Yeah. The one thing that I did want to go back and mention with uh, the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is that. At least the merchandise is selling. Yes. <laughs> yes, which is which is probably the, the one thing no one can really complain about is the fact they did they, they were clever with the way they designed the shops. Mm-hmm. Even though people are complaining about spending two hundred dollars for a lightsaber, that is not that outrageous. I mean, it's more money than you know a um, a force a you know master rep like when master replicas was doing them. But you know the force FX sabers, whoever took them over, I think Hasbro just ended up taking it back over at some point. It's more expensive than your standard FX saber used to be. I mean, but but you're also partially paying for the experience. It's a lot of money. I wouldn't do it if, if I lived in Florida. I would do it. I wouldn't want to try to bring that thing home, even though they give you a case. You know, they give yeah. you a carrying case, which is carry on, uh, legit. You know, carry on uh, capable. They're not going to get a problem bringing it on. But yeah, the merchandise. So yeah, you have to let me know if there's anything you want me to look for when I go because oh. I because I will. <laughs> Crystals, yeah, just uh, just a kyber crystal. What color? I think white. Yeah, I think white's a winner. From my from my perspective, I want I want white and I want yellow, and of course, obviously, I'll go through the rigmarole seeing if we can get her. See if you can find one of the magic red black crystals. Oh yeah, no, if you can find a black one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that 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 might that might be worth it, but uh, but that's that's most that's mostly. What I'm interested in from from a merchandising perspective. Yeah. But I am in. I, but but it'll be cool to see the lightsabers, you know, the hilts. And oh yeah. Like that. yeah. That, that's gonna be. Uh, just like it's cool. Just just it's cool just seeing stuff like that on display over in uh, the launch bay. Even that's cool. But but seeing stuff you could actually buy if you wanted to. Right. That be that be pretty neat. Like that like the what the Jedi Temple Guard they have like that hilt and things like that. Which I do believe. I think you can put a. I think you can put a kyber crystal in those too. Oh really? I think you can put a blade in those too. I believe you can. Somebody said you couldn't, but I think there's a piece you have you have to unscrew. But I think in theory you could. You could if you bought one of those hilts. If you bought a blade and you and you had a and you bought a kyber crystal, I think you could put that in there. I could be wrong, mm. but I thought I read 
because an initial report I think said you couldn't, but then somebody counter, but then somebody countered that and said no, no, you actually you actually can. Um, like, one of the other thing that I I heard about was there's within the um the red kyber crystals aside from the black one that's you know randomly inserted, there's also another special red one that's randomly inserted, and that is the magic eight ball Darth Vader. Have you heard about this? No, I don't think so. So you, if you get this magic eight ball, and I think it has a black insert to distinguish it from the the rest, but if you put that in one of the um, the holocrons, then it goes through all of the magic eight ball sayings in Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. That's funny. Just, just like just like the black, just like the black crystal is supposed to when you put it in the holocron, give you Snoke stuff. Yes. Yes. So, so I, that that was yeah. I mean, like I don't plan on buying a hologram, so it doesn't really, you know, pertain to me. But I think it's hilarious that they did that. That that is that is funny. I mean, the holocrons are conceptu- conceptually are interesting, but supposedly they're kind of cheap. From what I hear, they look kind of <laughs> they look kind of cheap. So, yeah. But we'll see. Obviously, uh, I will try to take some good pictures of the shops and everything, and and we'll see how that goes. Uh, but. I'm looking. I'm from a selfish perspective. I'm kind of glad the lines are not likely to be huge because, it, just generally speaking, because you obviously can get more done in a park when the lines yeah. aren't huge, no matter what. It's just even even the lines for Pandora. Like I finally got a fast pass for Flight of Passage on my last day when I'm going to be in Animal Kingdom. But it's like there's a huge gap between my other two fast passes and that. So there's like a couple hour gap. Right. So that's going to be a hard. That's going to be a hard sell to stick around for that. But you know, if it's only like an hour wait. As a walk-on line, then I'm probably I'm better off just doing that and just getting on the walk-on line and some so instead of wasting time or yeah. or leaving and coming or leaving and coming back or it just probably isn't worth it. But I but it's kind of cool that I finally got that. So how big is the uh, the time gap? I think actually, give me one second, I'll tell you. I think it's like two hours. I think I think my I think my last fast pass because I'm doing the I'm doing the up close with rhinos thing. Early on, and then I have the, the Kiliman, I have the Kilimanjaro Safari, and then I have Dinosaur, which of course is my favorite, my favorite ride I think in that park besides the Safari. <laughs> so you need a you need a fast pass for Dinosaur. Well, you don't need it, but but there's but there's not a whole lot to um to get, yeah. Yeah, there's not a, there's not a whole lot to get. Let's see what we have. Uh, November fourteenth. Uh, Kilimanjaro Safari to 115 dinosaur. It, yeah, two. Oh, it's actually big, it's even bigger than that. It's almost three hour gap. Dinosaur is 130 to 230. And my avatar doesn't begin at 525. Oh God. Oh so, man. So obviously, what I can try to do, even though it's probably not likely to happen, I could also keep checking to see if there's any way I can move it up. Yeah. Oh God. That's. And if I can't move it up, then probably unless the line is really nuts. I will probably just say screw it. After I do dinosaur, I'll just go straight over to Avatar, go over to Pandora, and yeah. get online and get and get it over with. Because even if I'm waiting for an hour, if I wait for an hour to get into it or whatever, give or take, I'm still I'm still probably getting out of there by three o'clock as opposed to having having to wait to five twenty-five just for my fast pass window to to open. Yeah. What time is the uh, the Rhino thing? The Rhino thing is eleven. It's eleven. Mm. I have to be. I have to check in at ten forty-five. So I'm going to be in the. So I'm. I'm, I'm probably going to be in the park by no later than nine thirty, ten o'clock at the absolute latest. Because I'll. I'll try to do dinosaur first. 
Yeah. Because, I, mean, I mean, honestly, you could rope drop and get into Avatar Land, like, real quick, do Flights That's of Passage true. first thing before the line accumulates. You could probably do uh, the River Journey. You know, like, if you got... If you made a beeline right to Flights of Passage, knock that out, you're in and out in less than a half hour, the River Journey, like, within a half hour, you can't imagine it's going to be, like, a horrendous line at that point. You knock that one out, too, then uh, kill some time till the Rhino thing. Yeah, it's a possibility. I mean, it's it's something that's a possibility. I'm going to... But it's it's not going to hurt to just keep you know, keep checking because you never know some things might some things might open up some some cancellations might occur you never know that's yeah. what they always tell you to do you know for Pandora that some that sometimes uh, sometimes in the uh, afternoon that they uh, that some fast passes at different times become available yeah it's yeah. like making a reservation for Ohana Ohana is always hard to get and usually you get a late evening dinner no matter what even though I got lucky it's still late but I got it at like 825 and usually I get stuck doing like 930 or something at Ohana right. last year I was with my friend Johnny he said why don't you just check to see if you can move it up and the day we were going to dinner I just checked and, and actually I was, I was able to move it up to like 730 nice yeah so there's, so there's a possibility that things things like that do happen so we'll see but I will but I'm kind of excited to finally be able to do potentially fin- to do that ride finally after a couple of years of nothing. <laughs> Are you gonna ride the uh, the God? I can't remember the name of them now. The trolley things in the sky. Oh yeah, the Skyliner. I'm really yeah. I'm looking forward to the Skyliner. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's even, that without, even without air even without air conditioning. I'm looking forward to. It. I still don't <laughs> know about that concept. I think that's kind of asking a lot. Uh, I know it's I know it's well ventilated and I saw actually I saw a video on it today where somebody was they took a digital thermometer in there to do the test mm-hmm. to see how much it was and the reality is it was pretty much like room temperature outside like the temperature outside it's just the fact that probably lower humidity and the fact that you are getting a you getting a more constant breeze when it's moving yeah but if it gets stuck then it's going to be a problem yeah because it's going to be like almost being stuck in a car. <laughs> I mean, windows. I mean, the windows I think are open a little bit, but it's still it's going to be pretty stifling pretty quickly if you're stuck up there in the in the heat of the summer, literally, mm. and you can't get down. You know, when I'm going, it probably won't be as much of an issue. But if you're going in friggin' August, and something like that happened, you'd be you'd be up the creek. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I, I don't know the. I don't really understand the logistics of the whole thing. But uh, what you call it? Andre got to ride it in the uh, on a, a test run type thing. My friend John did too. My friend John did actually today. That's that's cool. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. And I was always because I remember when I was a kid. I remember these knockoff version that they actually had like in what Tomorrowland, the Fantasyland, the Magic Kingdom. They had something like that. They had a they had like a they had like a some Skyliner kind of thing, right. transportation system. So, but this is cool because I like do like the fact that it's a nice it's a cool way to be able to go from let's say Disney Hollywood Studios to diff, to like Epcot or vice versa without having to you know without taking a boat or doing other things you could you yeah. have other you have other options I do like that. I saw I saw the map I saw the map today other the different route so it's kind of it's 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 pretty neat yeah definitely all right you ready I am all set all right so Best place to email us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Website is lanterncast.com. 
We are on iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on. Please leave us a positive review. We are on Twitter and Facebook, hashtag GLCast, to locate us on either of those. And last but not least, 708Lantern is the voicemail. 708Lantern, let us know what you think. And next episode, I think, is going to be, and luckily it's not mine to review, will be The Green Lantern number 12. That's the plan for next week. That's all Brad's. It's all on Brad. <laughs> when does the issue come out? Next week. Oh. This will be a this will be a top this will be a a topical review. If everything goes right, it'll be coming out the day we're review, the day we're recording. Okay. Yeah, I I saw, I saw the cover for that one. <laughs> uh, they uh yeah they, there was something where they were soliciting like the cover for number 12 and i'm just like oh okay you know like the last couple of issues it's like oh this is pretty interesting this is oh okay i don't really understand what's going on but i like the characters it's cool seeing them i wonder how the hell they're gonna resolve this one and then i you just see the cover and it's just like wah 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 <laughs> Yeah, well, we, we we can we can keep our fingers crossed at least. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Keep hope alive. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, good night, everybody. So long. Quarters in session. Averted No appeal on the docket today. Just my.